You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. When it comes to a starting lineup, everybody loves the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare that the pros love, LA Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-size Intense Therapy Lip Balm SPF 25 in Natural Mint. Here's to the winning combination of the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black, $10 plus free shipping, available at getjackblack.com with the code TEAMJB, while supplies last. Zach Dooley is doing his series of player evaluations for the 2021 NHL season over at LAKingsInsider.com, and Daryl Evans and I are playing along. Last week, Zach had evaluations for Quentin Byfield, Arthur Kaliev, Rasmus Kupari, Leish Anderson, Kale Clegg, Austin Strand, Brendan Lemieux, Christian Wallanen, Martin Furk, Mark Alt, and Troy Grosnick. So, here are Daryl's thoughts on those players. Later this week, we'll have some draft talk as we look at the Swedish players likely to be taken in the first few rounds of the draft. Then next Monday, we'll have another round of player evaluations. We're going to start today with uh, the player that I think garnered the most interest from Kings fans, certainly from uh, pundits around the hockey world, and that is Quentin Byfield. A ton of, uh, obviously, a ton of attention, a ton of press. Second overall pick uh, for the LA Kings. Six foot four, although according to him, six foot four and three quarters, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere north of 200 pounds. Plays 32 games in the AHL, six games in the NHL. Doesn't get a goal, but gets his first NHL point, an assist. Um, you got to see him at, at the AHL level and the NHL level. Heading into your first opportunity to see him live, what were you most excited to see from Quentin Byfield? You know, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, we really I was looking for was, was uh, his skating ability. Because they all talked, everybody talked about how good a skater he was uh, for such a big body. And, it was very impressive, very smooth on his feet. Uh, you know, you could definitely see where he could get people's attention and especially playing with younger guys, how he would definitely elevate and be above above his peers. Uh, and I thought that uh, he showed that he's got, you know, he's got the ability to be able to skate at the NHL level and uh, and, and succeed. Uh, he's got great hockey mind. Uh, he does some very good things. He's got great hands. He does a great, really nice job at, you know, at making making use of the guys that are he's on the ice with, putting them in positions where they can succeed by giving them good passes. He's one of those guys that plays to a team's advantage. He, he allows you to maintain possession of a puck. He, he gives everybody else a split second of more time to be able to get themselves open uh, for a pass, whether it's coming off his stick or somebody else's. Uh, he's a guy, you might say, be a quarterback when he's on the ice. Uh, he's going to be the leader of the train. He's not going to be a passenger. Uh, and, and I think he showed that in the NHL level when he came up. But this is a real unique year. Both he and, and Kalia, they got a chance to play in the American Hockey League where they never would have had a chance to do that, you know, had they not been, uh, you know, the type of year that we had this year with COVID-19. So uh, it, it was great for him. And, and in the development for years to come, it's going to pay dividends. Uh, you know, he's able to play. He may never have played this many games in the American Hockey League in his entire career as he as he played this year. So uh, it's going to be a, a good stepping stone for him. Uh, you know, what did he learn from it? Uh, again, be great to sit down with him, uh, you know, side by side, just 
you know, pick his brain a little bit and, you know, talk about, you know, what that experience was like, uh, you know, even in the locker room on the days of practice and those type of things, the things that he was, you know, observing and, and watching the coaches go through, you know, through their things. But a uh, great student of the game, uh, very impressed with what I saw. And I, I can't see, I can't wait to see what the next chapter uh, of his hockey career brings because uh, potentially it's all there. And, uh, you know, as we get to know him as an individual, you know, away from the game, you know, in the locker room or, you know, however type uh, the interviews were allowed in the near future here, really, uh, really uh, interested in uh, learning more about him and, uh, and, and watch him grow as a player and what he's able to contribute not only to the Kings, but to the to the game of hockey. I'm glad you mentioned his hockey mind. Um, I've, I've harped on this in previous episodes, so apologies to anybody who subscribes to all the Kings men. But one of the things that really, really confused me and, and upset me was the narrative that he had a low hockey IQ, which sort of came out in the weeks leading up to the draft. And when I watched him play, I was sort of expecting... I didn't expect it to be true, but I guess I expected to see something that would explain why people said it. And I personally saw the opposite. I saw a guy who seemed to understand um, even the sort of micro decisions of the game at a level that made me really, really happy. Um, any, any, any idea at all where that came from? <laughs> I don't know where it came from, Jesse, but my, you know, my thought on that is when you get a player that has an IQ or a hockey, you know, hockey mind, hockey sense, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes those players see the game differently than a lot of other players. And I think that was the case and no disrespect to any of the guys that he played with in junior, but I think the higher that he goes, the more elevated the mind of the player that he's playing with being that he, when he gets on the ice with guys in the NHL, now his game all starts to kind of come together and you start to see the way it all plays in. And that's what I think happens with his game that, you know, maybe at the junior level that he was a little bit ahead of his time, so to speak. Uh, and again, no disrespect to the players that he's out there with. He just had that little extra gear. And we've seen a number of guys that have done that over the years that have come become great players in the NHL. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's the case with, uh, you know, with Quentin Byfield that, uh, you know, that he has that ability to be able to continue to keep, taking it to that level but when you look at what he did in the nhl he got a lot of room to grow of course he has and he'll be the first one to tell you that but a, a great sampling uh it was nice to be able to see him play you know games in succession like that uh, against a couple of different opponents and some tough opponents uh, you know especially guys up the middle of the ice in the face-off circle so it was a great uh it was a great education for him and it's something that i'm sure he'll reflect on over the summer he'll watch a lot of video and he'll come to to camp real hungry and you know, looking to take a, you know, a, a permanent spot and, uh, you know, be a contributing factor on the Kings in a lot of different ways. I mean, you look at, you know, the time on the power play, like with a mind like that, when you put a player like that on the power play, that's where you really start to see things happen because he, now the guys that are out there with him, you put a couple of shooters and, uh, you know, it was neat seeing uh, Callie and Byfield play together a lot, you know, down in Ontario, you know, potentially these are guys that are going to become, you know, uh, teammates for a lot of years. So, having them build up a little bit of chemistry, learn each other's tendencies will pay dividends in time to come. But uh, I think they both learned a lot off of each other, especially, you know, being them coming up at the same time that uh, they were able, they had a lot of similarities, let's say in their games. And I thought uh, they, you know, to their credit, they found a way to make things happen. And uh, they put some pretty darn good numbers up there for a couple of young guys on a team that in the early part of the year really struggled. And as the year went on, those guys got better and their team got better because of their play. 
All right, so let's start out with Arthur Kaliev today. Uh, played one game for the LA Kings, scored his first NHL goal, but played 40 games for the Ontario Reign, almost the full season. Uh, or I guess that was the full season. 14 goals, 17 assists, 31 points. You got to see more of Arthur Kaliev than the average Kings fan who didn't have AHL TV. What did you uh, What did you expect out of the young snipers to start this season? Well, you know, I, I think when you look at it, I was curious to see how he was going to do over the course of a full season, uh, so be it a 40-game season, but playing against men, older players, uh, stronger players, more experienced players, and I thought he weathered it quite well. Uh, there's definitely uh, a progression in his game. I think getting a taste and playing in the NHL was a, a good eye-opener for him. Got a chance to be around the, you know, the, the big team for a little bit. Uh, you know, and, and around the, you know, the guys that are the stars in the league, the guys like Kopitar, the Jeff Carters at the time, Drew Doughty's and uh, Dustin Brown's, you know, those veteran players, Jonathan Quick, just to see they, the way they carry themselves uh, again, being it's a little bit t different type of year this year, but you can still see that, you know, the habits that you have to build. And I think what it did was allowed him to be able to take the things in that brief period of time with the Kings and apply it to when he went back to Ontario. And I felt that in the games that I was calling, you could see him take on more of a leadership type of role. Uh, you know, the the thing for him as he moves forward, you know, he's got the gift to be able to put the puck in the net. But I think sometimes we might understate his ability to be able to make plays. He's he's strong. He's a big body. Uh, he's going to get stronger. He's going to get bigger. And uh, he's going to have to make things happen a little bit quicker as he transitions into the NHL stage. But to see that he was able to go from playing junior hockey, go to the American Hockey League and play against men, and find a way to succeed as he did, I think is definitely gives him passing marks. And uh, it is, is encouraging to see uh, moving forward that, you know, the Kings uh, have a player that now they, I think, can push into that next level uh, and uh, give him an opportunity to be able to accomplish it, uh, you know, in the greatest league. And that's playing in the NHL on a consistent basis, uh, you know, that he scored a goal that does a lot for your confidence. But uh, as everybody knows that you have to be able to, come in and not necessarily score the goals every night, but you got to be responsible defensively. And I know that's one thing that, uh, you know, Todd McClellan, he'll be looking for as a coach that he's looking for complete 200 foot players. The, you know, the Kings have a number of players that are in Ontario that have a higher skill set than maybe the last wave of uh, prospects that they had. But now with uh, that talent, they still have to have that work ethic and uh, be willing to make the sacrifices in order to make the, uh, the team, the, the, you know, the ultimate goal and, with that, everybody succeeds. Were there any elements of Kaliev's game that you saw that maybe don't get talked about a lot that you think will translate well to the NHL? Well, I, I think it's his, you know, ability to be able to protect the puck. Uh, you know, I think he's a lot stronger. I mean, I know he's got size and he was able to do it against the younger players in junior, but uh, watching him in some of the battles, getting him involved in, you know, some of the one-on-one uh, -on -one situations, trying to spin away from guys in the corner, I thought, and I got to see uh, him play against, let's say, the same team maybe three or four times a couple of times. So you could definitely see him learning a little bit about the opposition. And that'll be a key as he moves forward uh, and transitions into the NHL is knowing your opponent, uh, you know, knowing what you can do against certain players and how you can get the upper hand on certain players. But uh, he's going to have a you know a summer this year that uh, very similar to what he had last, you know, the last year. And he's going to look for a lot of development, uh, you know, continue to keep working on the skating part of his game. He's got, you know, he's got that gift and, you know, that's the hockey sense, the hockey IQ to be able to find the sweet spots on the ice. And he was definitely not afraid to shoot the puck while he was in Ontario. Uh, you know, he, he had a lot of shots on goal, a lot of opportunities, and he went to the right areas. So 
uh, that was really encouraging to see. And he's definitely, uh, you know, one of those players that uh, if he, you know, if he pans out as everybody uh, hopes he will, uh, he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to score some key goals for the Kings for, for a number of years when he gets there. All right. We're talking about Rasmus Kupari today. Um, the, the sort of forgotten first round prospect for the Kings. He uh, gets an injury in uh, the 1920 season, but comes back in 2021 plays 32 games for the Ontario Reign and plays seven games for the LA Kings, including his first NHL game scores, his first NHL NHL goal, excuse me, drafted first overall or sorry, 20th overall in the first round of the 2018 NHL entry draft. Daryl, for me, he was out of sight, out of mind after that injury. What were you thinking about Rasmus Kupari when this season started up? Yeah. And that was, you know, the unfortunate thing, uh, you know, because the Kings, uh, you know, along with everybody, there was, there was a big hype about him. They wanted to get a look at him. And uh, when you take down an injury like that, that, you know, lasts for such a long period of time, and again, with what we went through. And it's an injury that even though, let's just say, there had been a season earlier, he probably would have been able to come back. But it may have been a blessing a little bit, you know, in disguise for him to be able to really rehab properly. Because I think it has showed uh, in the way that he performed this year. Uh, I thought he was very effective. Uh, I put him at a level above a lot of the other prospects just because, again, of, of his age and the development that he's had. And some of that is, you know, battling through an injury. And that, that is important for every player. Uh, you know, it, those are times that are challenging mentally as well as physically. And to his credit, he took advantage of that time. Um, he was definitely a stronger player this year than we, you know, when we first saw him. Uh, he's got NHL speed and the ability to play both, uh, you know, the center position and I think, you know, to be able to switch to the wing, I think will play to his favor. Uh, I say that he, you know, in, again, in my opinion, he's a player that is right there in the brink. I think he's a guy that you definitely have to, you know, really consider on your NHL team next year. I think he's, you know, he de deserves the opportunity to play on a consistent basis and, you know, give it, give it an opportunity where, you know, with a, maybe a consistent set of line mates and, you know, a certain role, again, providing everything goes well at training camp and things like that. But uh, he, there, there's, there's a lot of bright side. He's got a little bit of an edge to his game. He's not afraid to pray in traffic and he's got that, uh, that extra gear, that separation speed uh, with a, a good hockey mind to be able to complement that as well. It seemed to me in the limited amount of games I got to see him play this season that he was able to control the entire game better in Ontario than with the Kings. Is that something that changes with age and experience? Age and experience. And I think the role that you play in, uh, you know, comfortability, uh, you know, when he comes up to the Kings, it's very, very rare. Do you see a player come out, come up from being called up from the American hockey league, stick his chest out and let's say step to the forefront and try to overshadow a guy like Andre Kopitar. You know, you walk into a Kings locker room where you've got guys like Kopitar, Brown, Carter, you know, up front, Stanley Cup champions, uh, Drew Doughty on the blue line and, and Jonathan Quick. And, you know, immediately, you know, you take to the back seat. Um, so you learn a little bit. Uh, has he got the ability, you know, to, you know, to take a team on his shoulders? You know, only time will tell. I think that that evolves. I mean, every once in a while, there's a superstar that falls out of the sky and, you know, he can do it right away from, from the get go. But we've also seen. You know, a lot of the first overall all picks uh, the last couple of years that, you know, they struggle making their way in. So um, I think the Kings have done the right thing with him. They've been very patient. I think there's been growth in his game. And uh, he, he, he has the ability to be one of those prominent type of players. And a lot has to do with who you surround him with. I think that when he was down in Ontario, 
you know, when you bring up guys like Kaliev that are playing their first games in the Ontario Hockey League, guys like Byfield and things like that, you know, he's got to kind of stick his chest out a little bit because he's been around there a little bit. He's he's the guy that they're coming into his locker room type of thing. And, you know, so I thought he provided those guys with a good, uh, you know, a good platform for them to be able to grow and, and feel comfortable. And that will happen when he when he makes his way to the NHL as, as a regular player. Uh, I think the guys in the locker room, as they've done for the last number of years, they've embraced the young guys nicely. Uh, they provide themselves, they provide the young guys with, uh, you know, areas where they can succeed and, and the coaches will as well. And uh, he would be one of those players, I think, that will take advantage of that and uh, will, will eventually be one of the guys that will be in the Kings' top six forwards. The Kings have a ton of center prospects, and so the conversation has sprung up around all of them. Are they a center or are they a winger in the future? Um, Kupari had far better face-off numbers and you know possession numbers than I thought in his brief stint with the Kings. So simple and yet totally difficult question. Is Kupari a center or a winger at the NHL level? You know, again, uh, you know, as you say, there's so many players that are coming up now that, you know, you have to have the ability, I think, to play both the center and the wing position uh, just because of that. I think the way the game is played right now with, uh, you know, when you get the puck, when your team's in possession of the puck, everybody's on offense. So the only time that that position really is, you know, real structured is when you're in the defensive zone and you don't have possession of the puck or off, or off of a faceoff. I would encourage every one of these young centermen, uh, you know, that the Kings have in, in the in the uh, in the organization right now to work on their faceoff because that could be a deciding factor. That might make you that guy that gets that penalty kill time, which would take some of that, you know, faceoff time away from guys like Kopitar and you know Carter, who took a lot of faceoffs when when he was here. Uh, so if these young guys can step up and be consistent, you know, let's say 52% or something like that in the face-off circle, they're going to gain a lot of trust, not only the coaches, their teammates, and they'll gain, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll gain more ice time because of it. So face-offs are a key. I know it's just not on the, all the shoulders of, uh, of the centerman, but if that's a little area, that's something that you can work on that quickness. And, you know, again, it's taking a look at your opposition. This guy pulls this way, that guy pulls this way. He, you know, he drives forward first. You got to take the contact with the body in order to get your stick in position. So quit work on your hands. Uh, that's something that you, you can work on. And uh, I think, again, that uh, flexibility, versatility to play center in the wing just adds to your value to uh, not only your team, but anywhere across the NHL. Leish Anderson is a player that uh, was fascinating for fans to watch and also still presents the Kings with a lot of decisions moving forward. Acquired for a second round pick at the draft, he spent 15 games in Ontario scoring more than a point per game and 23 games with the LA Kings scoring three goals, three assists for six points and a minus four. Uh, Daryl, what did you know about Leish Anderson heading into this season? Not really a lot. You know, I, I just knew that there, there was some upside. Uh, I know he comes from a good hockey background. Uh, and I was real excited to see him. Uh, again, one of those players I'd like to have seen on, you know, in person, uh, you know, at a practice, uh, you know, watching both through all the little, little parts of the game. But I think what I saw from his game in the NHL was uh, very impressive. Uh, having watched him first in the American Hockey League, you know, when he was down there with Ontario, for such a young player, he took on a leadership role. I mean, he was with playing with younger players, but, you know, at the time when he was down uh, as a regular down there, he was leading the American Hockey League in shorthanded goals, as were the rain in shorthanded goals. A tenacious type of penalty killer, uh, you know, for, you know, very you know, fierce on the puck. Uh, he, his compete level was really good. And then seeing him play in the NHL, uh, 
you know, he he brought he brought all those traits with him. Uh, very competitive, uh, versatility. I think he, you know, he's a player that can play both wings. He can play up the middle of the ice, and his size really, you know, doesn't doesn't uh, play against him because of his compete. He's got a lot of will in his game, and he understands the game well enough to go to the right areas. So uh, this is a player I can understand why the Kings, you know, took a swing at him and. Uh, you know, I think he, you know, initially now that you've you've had that first taste and you've seen that first wave, uh, there's, there's definitely he encourages you want to see more. And I, th- I think he der- des- deserves to be seen more because I think, uh, you know, if you look at your roster and you become a team that is going to compete, be a team that's going to go deep in the playoff. These are one of those guys that's uh, are going to be the difference makers in some of those tight games and not necessarily scoring the goals, but he can come up with some some of those, you know, greasy type of goals, but he can, uh, he can really be a pain against the other team and, uh, and get them off their game. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see what, you know, what he's able to bring to the table in this next season. One of my favorite hockey expressions is will beat skill, but I've never heard anybody say there's a lot of will in his game, which you just said about him. Um, <laughs> how does that, another word that, uh, that I sort of got obsessed over this season was contagious. Todd McClellan used it a couple of times. How easily is something like will and will in a guy's game? How easily is that passed on to line mates? Well, you know, I, I think it the way it gets passed on, and I think everybody plays a little bit of a part in this. You know, the player's got to be willing to do it first of all, and then, then if the coaches reward a player for the will that he brings, that encourages other players that. Okay, how come I'm not? I'm getting on the ice. He's getting the on the he's getting on the ice. I got you know three more goals than him. Uh, you know, I shoot the puck hard. I'm a faster skater. Well, there's a the little difference. Is it's that will? Uh, you know, go you know go to some of those hard areas. Take a hit in order to make a play. Uh, might even be blocking a shot. You know, th- just those little things. The behavior on the bench. He seems to be a guy that's a good teammate. And again, because of going up and down between the American Hockey League and the NHL. It was very seamless for him this year. Uh, his game didn't fall off. Uh, he came right back down. You'd think he was playing in the NHL when he was in the American Hockey League. Continued to keep doing all of those same little things, uh, anything he could do to make his teammates player. So that that will thing, I think, is something that it can become contagious, uh, and, and that's what you want. You want guys. You want a guy to be a magnet, a guy that's going to pull guys along. You know, certain players are going to be passengers on a train. He's got. The ability, I think, to maybe bring a little bit of that engine in his game and pull guys towards him, gravitate like you're looking like an energy line. Like if you put a guy like him on the ice with, let's say, you know, Trevor Moore's and things like that, and you know, or a Grunstrom like that, and you, all of a sudden you got those three guys buzzing around on you, they're a pain in the neck to play against. And you know, and they've got enough skill that when you do make a mistake, they're going to take advantage of it. So uh, he's he's one of those glue players on a team that can really help you out. We are talking about Kale Clegg today. Split time between the Kings and the Reign. Played 23 games in Ontario, 18 games for the LA Kings. Zero goals, six assists, a minus six on the year. But Kale Clegg is an interesting guy. Second round pick, 51st overall in 2016. And is sort of the last um, prospect left from the Lombardi tank before uh, Rob Blake took over as general manager. So uh, a couple of years of attention paid to Kale Clegg when there weren't a lot of other highlighted prospects in the organization. What were you looking for out of Kale Clegg when the season started? You know, it, it's, it was a tough year for, you know, for him to come in. Uh, you know, when you're looking at a player trying to transition from the American Hockey League into the NHL, 
you know, most times you're going to go in and you're going to be with a, a seasoned veteran player uh, that's going to kind of pave the way uh, and kind of, you know, take you under their wing, so to speak. But the Kings being so, you know, so youthful on the blue line that, you know, they didn't have that luxury. Uh, you know, and then you get, you know, Mata was out with an injury for a while. He's a new player coming in. So he's trying to, you know, trying to feel his way around a little bit. And then Roy and Walker, who were, so to speak, you know, veterans uh, on the blue line, you know, they had injuries as well. So um, I think with Clay, you know, he, you know, he's a guy who can play both the left and the right side. There's no doubt that the offensive part of his game is, is his, uh, you know, is his greatest asset. Uh, he, you know, he sees the game well. Uh, you know, defensively, I think he's, he's growing in that department. Uh, he's become more competitive in the battles, uh, especially, you know, the one-on-one battles in the board, along the boards and in the corners. Uh, I, th- I thought there, there was definitely growth in that area. Uh, he's a guy that can help out uh, on your secondary power play unit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, again, with, with him in, in order to, let's say, in this past year, to really, you know, get a, 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 a more of a, a, of a read on him, I think, uh, you know, a veteran presence along his side would have really helped him out. Uh, a real somebody who could have really educated him on the ice while he was out there a lot. You know, somebody would communicate and talk. I think when you have so many young guys on the ice, one of the things that you miss most is that voice out there. Uh, you know, and that's kind of like having the extra man on the ice. And I think he missed a little bit of that, uh, having that direction from a from a, uh, you know, a veteran uh, defense partner. But, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, I think, uh, you know, he's still intriguing. He's still young enough. Uh, and, you know, some of the times uh, the things that he showed in the games that he can make plays happen. And uh, that's the way the games play today is that, you know, that that uh, from the uh, from the defensive position, that guy who can come up and become the fourth man on the attack. He's got good instincts to be able to do that, whether it be via the rush or in the offensive zone when you're in possession of the puck. He knows when to drive the seams and, uh, you know, and go to those areas. So he's, uh, he's got some upside when you're looking for offense for sure. And uh, he'll continue to have to keep working on his defensive part of his game. We've talked before about players that improve as they go up a level, right? As the quality of their teammates improve. Is Kale Clegg a guy who's going to benefit from uh, stronger teammates? Uh, I think everybody really does when it comes to, to playing. But sometimes when you go up and you play with better teammates, that kind of lessens your role a little bit. And I know a lot of players, uh, you know, include myself, uh, you know, when you come up and let's just say you're either a defenseman or a forward, you know, you're high scoring forward or a defenseman that plays a lot of minutes, you know, sometimes you're going to come up at the beginning of your career, you're going to start in a, in a lesser role. You've got to, you've got to earn the trust of your coaches, your teammates, and to be able to do it on a night to night basis. Uh, you know, Kings, uh, you know, had a couple of guys this year that, you know, that, you know, that we'll talk about and have talked about uh, over the year. And, you know, guys like Mikey Anderson, like how many minutes they were able to eat up and play on that top pair. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with the credit to playing with Drew Doughty because Drew Doughty, you know, creates that type of, uh, uh, of an opportunity for you. But uh, I, I think uh, when you, when you see a guy like Clay, like after, let's say he had a stint in the NHL, this is where you want to see him take that back into the American hockey league and, really take leadership down there be you know be that go-to guy be the drew dowdy of the american hockey league on his team where he, you know the coach every situation you look for whether it's power play whether it's penalty kill protecting a goal you need a goal you're the guy that he goes to and i think that's that's kind of the next step there to eat up all those minutes there uh you know be a guy that will continue to keep getting getting games but the more experience that uh 
that he can play with back in the blue line, I think that'll play to his being able to succeed and kind of grow his game in, in the expectation that everybody thinks, uh, uh, you know, when they first draft him, that that element is there. Good. Talking about uh, Austin Strand today, 13 games uh, with the LA Kings, one assist, one point. Uh, 19 games with the Ontario Reign, one goal, four assists, five points. A player that wasn't really on the radar, I don't think, for most fans to start the season. Yeah, I think, you know, this year give a lot of players an opportunity to maybe get a chance to play in a National Hockey League game uh, that possibly may have been overlooked, uh, you know, had uh, it been a normal type of year. So I think for Strand, I think for him, it was a great way to open the door. Uh, I think on his, uh, you know, his initial... Uh, uh, games played that he really came out and showed himself well. And he was fortunate enough to come in at that time when the Kings were playing some real solid hockey. So they brought him into an environment where he could succeed. And to his credit, he played well within his means. He really simplified his game. I know the Kings were impressed with, you know, his, uh, his passing ability, a nice, hard, crisp pass, uh, made good decisions with the puck and guys made themselves available. Uh, as the games went on that he played, uh, you know, the team wasn't having the success that they had. When he initially came up and, you know, it became a little bit more difficult. And, uh, you know, as we look at for all young players or players that are transitioning into the NHL, it's that consistency. It's not the, you know, shift to shift type of stuff. It's, uh, you know, can you do it once, you know, once a game or twice a game is you've got to be able to go out there and do it each and every shift and each and every game. And uh, I know those were, you know, some of the things that, uh, you know, he was dealing with having watched him when he came back into Ontario. Uh, I think he's a player that, you know, possibly might be better and more effective in the NHL just because of the structure of the player. I think I think he plays, again, within his means. And when you put him into a real structured uh, group with a group of players and, and a defense partner that, uh, let's say, is very predictable and dependable, uh, I think he can thrive. So I still think there's a little little upside there. I think you need to have, you know, to get a look at him on a on a bigger scale. Uh, over you know over the course of the season in a regular type of season where uh, you, you know you really get a, a, a true look at, at a player but there's definitely some glimpses uh, that uh, you know show that there's there's something there and then there's other you know other things that show in his game that maybe tell you why he's not in the NHL so it's it's again you try to figure out which player that you have and the only way you can do that is over a period of time uh, and I think from his uh, standpoint what you want to do whether you know, he gets an opportunity, let's say, to start in the NHL next year is to be the player that he was in that in those first number of games that he played with the Kings. That type of consistency, whether it's in the NHL or in the American Hockey League, which would allow him in the American Hockey League to really ele elevate his uh, role as a leader, eat up a lot of minutes and play in all the critical situations. Uh, but uh, he definitely uh, he, he opened up a chapter in uh, in his career that probably didn't exist, uh, you know, six, seven months ago. The rumor I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, but the, the, the story that got passed around was that he was being considered for a one-way contract for the AHL, that they had offered him a deal to play for the Reign, and he sort of talked them into signing him to a two-way deal and believed in himself and, you know, doubled down, and they said, okay, kid, you know, we'll give you a shot. Um, if, if that story is true, how much extra credit does he get for, for that sort of belief in himself? I give him a lot of credit for that. You know, if that's the case, uh, you know, you as a player, uh, you know, you you have a lot of faith in yourself or you hope that each player has a lot of faith in himself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, it's it's tough for others to believe in you. So if that's the case, uh, you know, again, yeah, you know, you give him his marks for that. And, 
Uh, and he was able to show himself, like I say, as an NHL player, he got a chance to play on, on a, you know, the, on the biggest stage. And, uh, I thought, I thought he fared real well, but, uh, you know, he's, he, he definitely grew in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, the unfortunate thing was, you know, along with yourself, myself, and, you know, all the other people involved in, uh, media and broadcasting and that, you know, we didn't have the luxury of being able to sit and talk with these guys after a practice and, you know, just kind of, you know, even casually just pick their, pick their heads a little bit about, you know, how things, you know, were going in practice and that. So definitely missed that part of it because he would have been one of those players that would have been a real interesting conversation to be able to talk to at that first time when he was up. And then as he played the games later on the, on the return times back. So next up, we've got Brendan Lemieux uh, played 18 games for the LA Kings, two goals, two assists, four points, 14 penalty minutes and came in with a reputation of being, I guess, an agitator. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. Uh, you know, it's the type of player that, you know, can get under the opposition's skin. Uh, I not necessarily think the, you know, the, uh, the, the platform that he came into uh, played into his favor, uh, especially in, with regards to where the Kings were, uh, you know, in the standings and, uh, you know, the, the meaning of the games that, that he played in. Uh, I think he's a guy that, you know, over the course of an 82 game schedule, I think it can have more of an impact on a team, uh, you know, as you start playing against teams that have, uh, you know, a little bit more of that element in their game. I think as we saw that, uh, under you know, through the COVID season this year, that there wasn't a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Uh, you know, you really had to, you know, manage the players that you had on the ice and a lot of guys had to eat up a lot of minutes, but um, you know, he's, uh, you know, he, it definitely has a little bit of, you know, sandpaper to his game and, uh, I think there might be a little bit more on the, you know, on the, on the ability to be able to play. But when you look at the guys in the bottom part of the lineup, and that's where I would see where his fit would be, it's important for the other spots to be uh, solidified and filled in. And the Kings aren't at that point. Uh, and the flexibility that he brought to the Kings was he allowed uh, them to be able to have that, that sandpaper, that edge, uh, that, uh, that physical presence uh, at, from a standpoint as a forward, as opposed to having to put McDermott in on the blue line, allowing the Kings to be able to use a, uh, let's say, a more uh, mobile puck moving defenseman through some of the games and against some of the opponents that they played in the latter part of the season. Does familiarity with teammates and comfortability in an organization help a guy like him in his role? Like, does it help get you up to be that kind of player to be that pass to be, to have that sandpaper? If you, if you know the guys you're playing with more than if they're just strangers. Uh, it, it definitely plays, you know, it, when you, when you connect, uh, you know, there are, there are a band of brothers out there, you know, there's a brotherhood amongst the players and the closer that you become guys that play in that role, uh, they're more appreciated by their teammates and it probably encourages them more to go out and, and do their job and, you know, and stick up and help their teammates because some players you have to go out there and create space for them to be able to be at their best. And, uh, you know, it, I think this year again was such a different type of year that it didn't allow him to play his game to its, uh, you know, to its greatest level, especially as you say, coming to a new team, you know, you don't have those periods of time where you can go out and bond with your teammates where you're going out and you're having the, you know, the, the dinners on the road and, and that kind of stuff. So definitely a, a tough year uh, for a guy like that to come in and, and to be able to be really embraced on his team. But I thought he did. Uh, I thought he did an admirable job. Christian Willannon acquired in a trade from the Ottawa Senators for Michael Amadio, wound up playing three games with the Kings, two games with the Ontario Reign. 
what were your expectations of Willannon coming into the LA Kings organization? Uh, personally, Jesse, I didn't think I didn't have any high expectations from him. Uh, you know, I think it was a, a move that was made to give them some depth, possibly down in Ontario. And, you know, again, with the taxi squad and uh, the way things were going with COVID and all that, you know, it was a player that, uh, you know, the Kings wanted to get a look at. And they got a chance to look at it in a few games. Um, I don't know if there was anything necessarily. And again, from my perspective, that really jumped to the forefront that uh, would say that, you know, you want to see more and more of, uh, you know, I think the Kings have to look beyond that. But, uh, you know, I thought he held his own. I mean, I think he's definitely a guy that could be a depth guy in in an organization uh, to be able to provide that type of versatility uh, to be able to move, uh, you know, up and down between a minor league team and an NHL team. This really wasn't the purpose of this conversation, but it just now occurred to me, like, he played three games with the Kings. He played a total of uh, 44 minutes, I think. How how do you judge, you know, whether you like something or, or see something you don't like in that brief window of time? Uh, it, it makes it a little bit different, but I think sometimes what you can do is even if a player comes up and even if they make a lot of mistakes, so to speak, or don't necessarily have their best games, I think they might have a, you know, a characteristic or a trait that uh, they're known for, whether it's a big shot, they're, they're a great skater, they're very physical. Um, and, you know, something, something like that might jump out at you once or twice, maybe in the total of three games or maybe once or twice a game, even though there are a bunch of mistakes being made and not necessarily their best games that you can kind of see, you know, where or why, uh, you know, uh, that brings that player to, you know, to the opportunity that he has. Uh, you know, from Orlando's standpoint, I look at his game, uh, a conservative type of player, uh, not real flashy. Uh, again, he's a he's the type of guy that I think uh, can add depth, and you can pick up some minutes from time to time. But I don't think he's uh, what the Kings are looking for necessarily moving forward. And in my opinion, uh, that's a difference maker. We're doing sort of a heartbreaking one uh, right now, and that is uh, the season of Martin Furk signed to a two-year contract extension last season. Winds up being injured, only plays one game with the Kings, but gets in 14 games, uh, scoring six goals, six assists, and 12 points for the Ontario Reign. Um, you got to feel bad for Martin Furk, right? No doubt about it. You know, especially when, you know, I think there were some uh, some pretty high expectations, or at least curiosity anyway, coming into the season for the way that he finished the previous year. Uh, you know, he had opened up a lot of eyes. And, uh, you know, when you come to a new, a new organization and, you know, you've kind of, open up that first door you want to continue to keep moving and it, it was very 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 tough to see the type of year that he had to go through I'm sure from his standpoint it had to be extremely frustrating but uh you know I think you know the numbers that he showed in Ontario uh, you know showed his professionalism uh, that he got himself going uh and he was able to go down there he had an impact on their power play their power play down there was much improved than Ontario with a presence like him out there and uh, you know, when, when you have a reputation of the shot that he has, the opposition plays differently against you, and that opens up avenues for other guys. So um, he played a, he played a key part in the in their power play growing down there. Uh, you know, again, just so so unfortunate, especially in a year where so many guys got a chance to experiment, get a chance to play in different situations, that he didn't get the uh, you know the opportunity to be able to do that because he'd already taken that first step. And now it's almost like he took a step backwards uh, from, from where he was the year before. How difficult is it to get up and, you know, go to the rink every morning when you know that you're probably too good for the AHL, 
but maybe struggling to establish an identity for yourself at the NHL? You know, that's always a challenge, but uh, you know, I, I think in, in today's game, the mindset of an athlete, you know, you really should never have a mentality that you're, that you're too good for the league that you're playing in. You know, almost be like, you know, if Quentin Byfield and, and, and Kaliev, they had to go back and play junior this year. Let's just say they had to do that. They're not too big for that for, for that game. So the reason, the only way you make them say that you're too big for that game, go out and score 200 goals or <laughs> make your team a championship team. So it's there's ways to be able to compete within yourself if in the back of your mind you feel that, you know, that you are a little bit better than when you're, and it's not to say that you aren't better than, but okay, if you are elevated above your, you know, your peers, then statistically you should be able to show it or the impact that you have on your team. Can you bring guys in? Can you have guys gravitate towards you where you become a leader and have them follow, you know, be an engine on that team. So uh, it, it's a tough thing for him, but uh, you know, again, uh, you know, a lot of frustration I'm sure for him that this past year, but, I thought, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a slow start in Ontario, but as he got things going there, uh, I think uh, it showed that, you know, he was back on track and uh, he was enjoying playing the game again. Today we're talking about Mark Alt, signed in the offseason, presumably as a depth player for the Ontario Reign. Then taxi squads and COVID happened. Winds up playing 29 games for the Reign, just two games for the LA Kings. Uh, Any thoughts on uh, Mark Alt's contribution to the Kings this season? You know, not 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 much, not, uh, not as big of a uh, you know a uh, sample size uh, to work with in his standpoint. Uh, and again, being in a situation where the Kings were when he when his recalls did come about, uh, you know, he wasn't able to you know be a difference maker in those games. And and I don't think that's why he was acquired. Again, acquired for to add depth down in Ontario. Um, you know, whether or not in a regular season, he would have got the chances to play with the Kings that, you know, that may have not, not come about, but, um, you know, I think in order for the Kings, as we, as we move forward, uh, they have to look beyond a guy like Alt. they've got to improve, uh, improve more. Uh, can he provide some leadership in Ontario for a young core of defense? Uh, that's a possibility. You want to become an anchor down there where you can help, you know, young guys that come in and, uh, and be somebody that they uh, can trust as a partner and allow them to maybe grow their game. Uh, maybe a, a, a player with a, let's say it's got a real upside offensively or real strong skill set that might struggle a little bit defensively. You want to maybe be that, uh, you know, that, that uh, player on their side to be able to cover up their mistakes, so to speak, but uh, too small of a uh, sample size for him uh, to say whether or not, uh, you know, there, there's any, any room for him in the NHL level. Uh, I just, you know, as I look at the Kings, in order for the Kings to be better, uh, I don't see a position on him for the Kings. And, uh, you know, we'll see as, as things move forward as to what the roster looks like in Ontario next year as to who jumps up, who moves or who the Kings maybe uh, potentially lose in the uh, expansion draft. We're talking about Troy Grosnick today, a player acquired presumably to back up or share net time with uh, Matty Volalta in Ontario. But then the taxi squads, squads, excuse me, were created and uh, COVID protocols came into play. He winds up playing two games for the LA Kings, four games for the Ontario Reign. What did you think of uh, the contribution that the Kings got from Troy Grosnick? Well, just being the fact that he was able to come up to, you know, to the Kings team and, and perform in the fashion that they did and have the players play the way they did in front of them, uh, a little bit of a credit to his character. That's a tough position to be in, uh, knowing that, you know, you might not ever get a game, you know, in the NHL, but 
to be able to keep yourself on that edge and being prepared, not only from the, you know, from the mental standpoint, but the physical element as well, because, you know, there, there's a, there's a big jump uh, when you're playing in the American hockey league and then go, you go into the NHL and especially some of the teams that you play against, when you look at some of the skill and the Kings uh, were in battles against some of those teams this year. So uh, I give him his marks for that. That's, uh, that's a real unique position. The goaltender, uh, you know, they have to have a different mindset than everybody else. You know, you're, you're a player that's isolated away from everybody. You're, you're in the goal. So, um, you know, why has he not been there? Why has he not been able to take on a position on a consistent basis? Uh, I can't give you the answers on that, but uh, I, I give him his marks for, you know, for the way that he performed uh, with really the, the limited amount of playing time that he had this year. Uh, he had, That means he had to work extremely hard in practice to be able to keep himself at the level that he did. Yeah, and to your point about isolation, claimed off of waivers by the Edmonton Oilers and then claimed right back off of waivers uh, by the LA Kings, had to quarantine both ways. Uh, an awful lot of isolation for Troy Grosnick. <laughs> wouldn't wish that, wouldn't wish that, excuse me, on any any player uh, for the Sharks, Ducks, or even the Knights. Thanks so much, Daryl. <laughs> All right, Jess. Thanks a lot. <laughs>